I bought this lesbian erotica when I was 16 in Provincetown, Massachusetts, which super, super gay place, didn't know it at the time. And then, and I just had my first like real hookup with a girl at camp. So then I felt like I was just like dropped into like two like alternative worlds. I was like gay at camp. And then I go to this gay place like right after and I stumble into this woman's feminist bookstore and I buy this book. I still have it. I'm like, mom, how did you not know I was gay? This was literally by my bed. Faster Pussycats. And it's got the most 90s cover. It's like all these like bad like 90s alt girls like against like a pink brick wall. And it's it was so hot. And that's when I was really like, oh my God, I am gay. But first, a word from our sponsors. It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at manwhorepod.com slash motorbunny or use promo code manwhore at checkout. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up, you summer skanks, you spring flings? Shout out to all the fall filators out there. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. This week on the pod, I've got on the author of Girl, Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup, audio dramatist, dare I say professional lesbian, Zara Barry. Looking forward to sharing that conversation with y'all in a little bit. Little brief PSA, just going to say it, everyone. I know there's some political issues that have been going on that have been overshadowed by my sadness. Abortion rights under attack. Transhumanity questioned. The future of democracy kind of actually at stake. So I just got to say, just got to remind everyone, uh, you got to vote and you got to vote locally and you got to vote often. You got to treat it like saving, saving a Word document in 1999. Remember what they taught you in computer class? They said, save early and often. And you should do that for voting. I hate that you have to now pay attention to like the school board election, but that's where we're at. So do make sure you are registered to vote. Like, I know a lot of progressives don't really believe in voting anymore, but also, if you don't, how'd that work out in 2016? Okay? Okay, bub? Okay, love? Okay? Okay, buddy? Okay, fucker? Okay, slut? Okay, you big voting whore? Let's fucking uh, do some things, please? Thank you. Because out here in New York City, there's really not much I can do. I can choose between, like, a, uh, a neolib a progressive and a communist. More important than the midterm voting. Let's get back to what's important. How is Billy doing? Those of you who've been following me on uh, Instagram lately probably know it's been rough. Monday was my was supposed to be my one year anniversary with Wallet Note Lady. Uh, was not as traumatic as I thought it was going to be. I went to the coffee shop we had our first date at. Sat there for like six and a half hours. Legitimately thought she might walk in the door at any moment. I was wrong. Life is not a movie. But here's one thing I've been doing to kind of like cheer myself up a little bit. And again, the Instagram folks are are well aware. I've been rocking glitter on the DL. And it has been like, at times, a quality of life improvement. I'll put on a little glitter, just dab a little on the sides, or I'll smear it under my eyes like I'm an NFL linebacker. But fabulous. And then I just I just go about my day. I almost forget I'm even wearing it until people start 
looking at me and smiling. Baristas are saying, oh my God, I like your glitter. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. I'm on the subway and women look a little less terrified of me. It's nice. I'm glad that in 2022, we can finally find a way for like a man like me to uh, feel comfortable walking out and about in the world. Isn't that sweet? That <laughs> but the glitter is nice. Some people have been asking me, what kind of glitter? What's your brand? No brand, just some generic bullshit that came with some rhinestones I got last year. I got a couple of baggies of glitter. They're actually like in these like dime bags. But if you have a, if you have any brand recommendations, I should put on my Amazon wish list. I welcome those suggestions at manhorpod at gmail.com. Thank you everyone for caring. I particularly want to give a thank you right now to Dapper Mart. Yes, it's time for a fan whore appreciation moment. Easily the most dapper nudes I've ever seen in the history of the peep show. You know, he's dropping nudes in there like if porn was served with a cup of tea, that's kind of what he's given us. That's what he's delivering in the peep show. So I want to shout you out for it and thank you for supporting the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. And if you too want to become a member, support the show, and get a shout out of your own. It's only $2 to join up. Truly, y'all, every dollar counts. In New York City, where rents are on the rise. Become a member today. Support the whore you love at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. And one of the things I did on microphone recently was I had a great conversation with Zara Barry. She's super fucking fun. She, you know, she she showed up to my apartment. I opened the door and she's in this full Disney princess. If like the Disney princess was rebelling against her evil stepmother and like went out to a gay rave. That was kind of the look she was rocking, and it was awesome. Looking like she has had it up to here with this fucking prince and his goddamn slippers, and she's just going to go to Cubbyhole and have a much better time. She assured me she doesn't wear this in her normal day-to-day. It was She was coming to my place from a photo shoot, and I guess she did not bring any street clothes. But hey, in Bushwick, a big old... A big old gay gown is street clothes. I've seen that casually on a Tuesday afternoon on the train. She's got her own great podcast. It's an audio drama called Girls on Jane. Let's go have a chat with Zara Barry. Longtime listeners of the show know that I am a big fan of the Motor Bunny. Yes, and they are our sponsor this week. The Motor Bunny is a ride-on-top saddle-style vibrator, and it's just... Wow, this thing is powerful. How powerful is it? It turns a cis man's penis into a vibrator itself. Uh, the first time I opened the Motor Bunny was with my XP, and the first thing we did is we lubed me up. I sat down and got the Motor Bunny in me, and then P straddled me, and I was in her, and she felt my dick vibrate via the vibrations coming from my ass. The Motor Bunny is magic. And because Motor Bunny is such a fan of the Man Whore Podcast, they give my listeners a very special discount, $50 off, when you use promo code MANHORE at checkout at MotorBunny.com. Again, that's $50 off with code MANHORE at MotorBunny.com. And yes, you can finance your vibrator. 
You finance a car, you finance a new phone, you finance your new fuck machine. Now let's get to the show. Um, no, I will. I grew up in Connecticut, so I grew up right outside of New York City. Okay, and I would like sneak off to New York City all the time, and then and that was the the mid aughts, early aughts, actually. Really? Yeah, I'm oh, I'm pretty oh, old. Oh, yeah, I, I'm that, in my I'm I'm rearing towards you know mid thirties. Okay, oh, you're rearing towards the mid thirties. Yeah, okay. I'm 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 in my mid thirties. Okay, well, I'm 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 about to be thirty three. I was just doing math. I'm like, well, mid aughts. Like I was like, well, weren't we in high school? But maybe you were uh, rambunctious. Um, yeah, I was fifteen year old gay yeah, chick absolutely, in absolutely. That made that is exactly me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you said you had a story about chasing Amy. Yeah, story about chasing Amy, and I my favorite just told my actual my podcast partner this the other day, and she was like, "I cannot believe you did that." So, speaking of being a wild, rambunctious teenager, okay. um, I saw the movie Chasing Amy probably in about eighth grade blockbuster vhs loved it loved it loved it and i was why why in eighth grade were you picking out chasing amy i i read that it was very in line with what i was into then right but like how like like kevin smith i started to get into and i don't know i was a pretty um advanced kid and (laughs) i mean i was i think after i saw the movie gia which is uh, have you seen the movie gia I know that there's a movie, Gia, but I know nothing Okay, else. it's Angelina Jolie, sort of one of her first big movies. Okay. She won the Golden Globe, and she pl- it's the true life story. You kind of, like, upper half of your, like, whole face kind of has this Angelina thing going uh, well, on. Well, that's, now like, that the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, but I, I, I saw that movie, and she plays, like, a lesbian, um, supermodel addicted to heroin who dies of AIDS. It's a true story. And so once like that band, and I was obsessed with that movie, I watched it a hundred times. So once that bandaid was ripped off, I was like, oh, I don't want to see anything age appropriate. Like, (laughs) And that might've even been like sixth grade, to be honest. And did you know you were gay back then? After I saw the movie Gia. After Gia, that's kind of what started clicking it for you? I mean, I was like, something, something is... Definitely. And then I saw Chasing Amy, which had a nice little lesbian theme, which I know a lot of lesbians are offended by. But I thought it was great. I mean, whatever. Sometimes that happens. I watch it now and I go like, this is still... I, I mean, granted, like, who am I to say anything? But I was like, I feel like that movie still holds up pretty okay. Yeah, no, the dykes are just pissed because she goes with a guy. And that's yeah, like... Yeah, but then she... I mean, spoiler alert, she doesn't. By the end of it, she's right. still with a lady. Right, she's right. She's Kevin Smith's sister at the end of the thing. Right, right. I don't know. I just... Some, you know, some lesbians, I like to call them joyless lesbians. They like oh. to get offended by everything. <laughs> they like to look for things. I'm not one of those. I thought the movie was art. But um, you know when she does that monologue where she's like, he finds out that she's been with men before and she's like, yeah, I fucked three guys at once. And yeah, like so-and-so fucked me after the prom. And so what, so what? I'm like in eighth grade and I'm like, that is a powerful monologue. And I transcribe the whole thing and I use it as an audition for fucking school. Like high school, public high school. Like I think it's like okay, go in full blast, and I'm like, yeah, I fucked two guys at once. You want to hear some other gems you might have not unearthed? Like I still remember the monologue. I'm pretty sure that's an exact, like ex- the exact opening. And then she she ends it by saying like, I didn't tell you the truth about being with men because I didn't want you to think that you weren't as amazing as you are because this is the first time I did it and enjoyed it. 
So, and, and it, so I, I remember thinking like, wow, what beautiful emotional beats, but like, it was a pretty risque monologue to perform for school yeah. for like the school play. I didn't get cast. It was like music no. man or something. Oh, you weren't? No. You like, and I knew I wasn't going to. Yeah. Like, chasing Amy monologue. Right. I, and I knew I wasn't going to, I just wanted to do the monologue. And I think I used the, cause I used to be an actor. I think I used that monologue for like most of my teens I, Which I, mean, I think now in hindsight, I feel like someone would have called Child Protective Services now, <laughs> like on my parents, you know, this like 14 year old being like, I fucked three guys at once, you know? <laughs> See, you love the the scene in the hockey rink and my scene is the monologue right after in the parking lot. Right. I think I merge them. Isn't oh, that did, when it yeah. gets emotional and she's like... I didn't, ha- I didn't... Unlike you might have gotten a map that pointed you from A to B. B. But unlike you, I, I wasn't get a, a fucking, fucking map. Map at birth. Yeah. Boom. Right. Like maybe you were oh. point A to point B, but yeah. I didn't get a fucking... I had to figure it out. Like it's... Now that you said... God, I have so many memories of just being up all night as a kid, like memorizing that acting it, feeling like I understood, even though I hadn't done anything, you know? Goosebumps right now, just like, yeah, just like- It's so good. It's just, it's just you know, for me, because I don't think the, uh, the I don't know, I, I don't even know what these words mean anymore, but like, I don't think you see, you think the straight guy is identifying with Joey's character right. in that, right? Right. But like, that was always, I never was like, oh, I'm him, I'm him. I was always like, no, that's me. Because I was like, I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to try it out by doing. I'm going to figure out who I am right. from that. Um, and that's just so much what she's she's sharing right. in that yeah. fucking monologue. And that she's being rejected in a way for it. That she And then she's like, I fucking love you. And he pushes her away. And every time I look, I was like, Ben, you motherfucker. I know. I know. Well, I mean, I think that that's it really worked up. No, it's true. I I do too, and I haven't thought about it in years. And I, it's interesting that that was a monologue that resonated with me at such a young age before I was even sexually active. But I think I also related to the, I have to try things out. I knew I was never going to do like the road map. Yeah, you know the Connecticut road map, (laughs) probably because I knew maybe I was I was gay and like things. Even though I hadn't fully identified that way yet I just knew something was different and I wasn't going to be on the fucking roadmap yeah so it's almost like it was like dramatic foreshadowing because then I lived that monologue in a way you know yeah and that monologue doesn't even really have to do with sexuality no I mean, no it's just about finding yourself through a bumpier road than others and just fit in right yeah I know I, I just always related with that one right um I also uh relate with the scene where we're all surprised about fisting I mean I you know, yeah. that, so that was another formidable moment. As That's a that actually scared that it <laughs> forgot scary. about that scene. That scared me from being gay. Yeah. I was like, ow, <laughs> no, do they do that? And then I learned like that is not necessarily the definition of lesbian sex. I remember my talking about it with my friends because that was a movie we used to watch on like Sorry, I had like a stroke. I was like, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I've had a really long day. You really aren't one of those joyless lesbians. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> They're definitely not having strokes. Um, that big stroke is ableist. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, whatever. My podcast partner has one arm. Um, anyway. <laughs> she you, just, does. you just threw out your, ar- <laughs> your one-armed co-host. Exactly. Like, I, I, like I, a I Connecticut do. mom throws around the one black friend. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. It's gotten to the point where we're so codependent 
accident that it's now we have one arm. Like when someone's like, oh, but you know, like someone just tries to give us a hateful comment. We're like, we have one arm. You can't say that to us. <laughs> um, but where were, what were we talking? I can't remember. Well, it's a good time to say I'm here right now with writer Zara <laughs> Barry. Hello, hello. Hi. Uh, author Who's- of the book, Girl, Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup. Yes. Relatable much, everybody? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and also, I'm not whoring out my, well, I'm whoring out my podcast no, partner for do. her one arm. Oh, but yeah. like, you know, we ho- her and I hoe each other out for different for different ways. I, this is, I full consent to hoe her out as much as possible. Uh, but yes, welcome to the show. Welcome to the pod. I'm glad we have a mutual, we're able to kick it off with a mutual love for uh, <laughs> Kevin Smith's GLAAD award winning Did movie. it win a GLAAD award? He won one. He won one for writing for screenplay. Oh. He was nominated for some others. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so anytime people throw down on that one, I always get up and I'm like, I will, I will defend chasing Amy with my last dying problematic breath. Right. Just be right. like, no, this this one's different from the others. But this also, is- I mean, I think when it comes to, I get why the gay community, the queer community, it definitely gets old to always have the same story where the girl goes back to the guy or the girl stops being gay, especially when you grew up, everyone gay and feminine, everyone always says like, oh, a matter of time till you're with a guy. So I fully empathize, empathize with that. However, like, I don't necessarily think that art needs to have an agenda. Mm. Like, this is just this person's story. And it's interesting. And it's good. And it's well written. So like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't find it problematic. And I think, you know what, if it's, I'm kind of pretentious, if it's good, then it can kind of do whatever it wants. Do you know, do you know what uh, Kevin's agenda was when he wrote that movie? No, I've no he idea. He wrote it. Cause, so you know that his, he has a gay brother and I think, I think Virginia is a lesbian also, but he's got a gay brother and once told him how like he never saw himself on screen. Cause like there weren't a lot, you know, nineties, not a lot of right. gay characters. And so he was like, man, that really bums me out. And he wrote that movie. So like he, could throw some stuff up for his brother right his family up that's there. awesome um and it was like you know, this was like he wrote that for his game anyways um <laughs> no lesbians like no greater trigger than a film that has you know either they die or they they're with a man you yeah. know but i think it's like executed brilliantly and i love the movie did people tell you that it was just a phase or you have to wait to meet the right man oh definitely yeah what's been yeah. your experience with that um i mean even like i love my mother. I'm obsessed with my mother. But like, when I I think what parents do is they project themselves onto you. Shocker, I'm not saying anything (laughs) fucking mind blowing. But they project their shit onto you. And I think my mom very much my mom was a model and, um, you know, just grew up in a time where it was very she's 70s, very liberal, you know, working in fashion, but grew up in a time where it was like, you know, you should always have a man for security purposes and you know I kind of got that message so that hedge your bet feminism where it's like do you but like have that as a backup yeah yeah kind of yeah I mean always be like my mom's English and like oh, go off to someone you love darling but you know it's not terribly hard to find someone with a bit of money you know <laughs> and then when I when I and also I was a horrible student I was always into acting and writing and not very secure things I was horrible horrible student so I think that, you know, they're like, oh, she'll be fine. She'll probably mess around with acting for five years and then find a husband. And like, 
when I said I was gay, it sort of took that plan and threw it on its head. And, you know, I think that they were like, are you sure this isn't just a phase? They forgot about the acting part. Yeah, they're like, oh, shit, you know. (laughs) Um, But it's been a blessing for the whole family because, A, I mean, my mother just loves She's a girl's girl, so that part's great. But also just, I think it's opened up their eyes as to like what I'm capable of Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden they were like, she doesn't have a man to fall back on. Even though I could easily find a woman to fall back on, anyone can, but... They, their brains didn't go that that direction. Um, They're like, fuck, now you've got to like really advocate for yourself. And I'm like, well, I was kind of planning on doing that anyway. And all of you bitches underestimated me. And uh, now you have no choice but to believe in me because there is no plan B, you know? Yeah, we're in So this. it was good. Yeah. yeah. We've attached certain words to ourselves on Google for forever. Exactly. Uh, I'm forever some whore guy. Uh, right, so- right. You know, I'm all in. There's no right pivoting here. Totally, totally. Um, you know, you you said that Gia really opened things up for you and chasing Amy was yeah. you know, connected with you. Were there other was there other media growing up that like really spoke to your blossoming queer heart? Oh yeah, I mean, because I have been always the kind of kid that escaped into movies and books, and I'm a writer now. I mean, that was my favorite thing to do was just like research and find lesbian content, you know, and this is it was harder back then, you know, there wasn't really Facebook, MySpace was around. I don't know if you were on LiveJournal. I I went to a boarding school where there was a lot of lockdowns internet wise. So I knew about LiveJournal, but I don't know if I had access. Oh, did you go to a, a Troubled? Yeah, actually. <laughs> I, mean, they, I mean, I almost went. Um, it, 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 you know, they wouldn't call themselves a problem kid school, but like they were, it was kind of in between. Uh, right. Like uh, this troubled teen industry. We were like, we would get kids from problem schools who were transitioning down or kids who went from a pub, some school to us and then were so bad they had to go up. Okay, but, so you were like, you weren't like taken out of your house in the middle of the night t- type but thing? But we had some kids who were, or right. kids who like had that happen, they go to wilderness program like Red Cliff or something, mm-hmm. and then they come back, then they come to our school, so it was like this weird like alternative education right. thing, so uh, yeah, a lot of blocks on the Right. Internet. I went to a, a similar kind of school. It wasn't um it wasn't a boarding school, okay. but it was a day school. It was called the Achievement Center, which Oof, re- I know it's like yeah. a re- it's like really, you know, Jeez. but it was it was kind of the middle We're giving ground. up on education. We just want you to achieve. To something. achieve. We had cigarette breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. We had cigarette breaks and wow. it was go at your own pace. Yeah. But a lot of those kids had come out of like the troubled teen industry, behavior modification or got sent there from there. Yeah. It was like kids that got kicked out of either like bougie private schools and this was like the stop before the behavioral modification Uh or like the stop in between. I had a girl tell me, I'm sorry, no, we're going so off, but I had this girl tell me that because a lot of them are Mormon, those schools are in Utah, and they're they're run by Mormons, that they would give them random panty checks and make sure they weren't wearing tampons because that was considered like sex. Oh, yeah. It's just so perverse. So fucking weird. It's man. so fucked it up. so weird. Yeah. Yeah. That you, was our generation. I mean, that's uh-huh. like, defi- I feel like a defining sort of mid to early aughts, like, generation i don't write feel a like check there is. to send your kid and get fixed because now it's getting called out and there's Thank like a God. term for it I, I only learned this term troubled teen industry this year uh, oh, okay so it's like, you know it's a whole it is whole thing it's a whole thing yeah. um but you were saying that like you would look up stuff like live journal we didn't have myspace quite yet right but, so i know, had a live journal and it's like what do you 
What right. Were you, what were you watching? What are you listening to? Who's who I scrambled these... porn for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who didn't? Um, but I would also, I mean, I had a live journal and I was, it's funny that I became a writer because basically what I do now and how I make money is by memoir writing. And that's what I did then, but I didn't know it was like a thing. I had a popular live journal and it was before the term blog even existed. And other teenagers would follow me and like write comments. And I would find like other queer teens and like, you know, we'd meet at punk shows in New York City and things like that. So that was pretty cool. But how I really, I would say um, media that impacted me so much. First of all, I bought this lesbian erotica when I was 16 in Provincetown, Massachusetts, which super, super gay place, super. didn't know it at the time, came like straight from arts camp um, and visited my friend who had a house in, in Provincetown. And then, and I just had my first like real hookup with a girl at camp. So then I felt like I was just like dropped into like two like alternative worlds. I was like gay at camp. And then I go to this gay place like right after. And I stumble into this woman's feminist bookstore and I buy this book. I still have it. I'm like, mom, how did you not know I was gay? This was literally by my bed. Faster Pussycats. And it's got the most 90s cover. It's like all these like bad like 90s alt girls like against like a pink brick wall. And it's it was so hot. And that's when I was really like, oh my God, I am gay, yeah. you know? And then from there, you know, finding the little lesbian indie movies, getting into like riot girl punk rock music, and then... By the time I was like a junior, I think is when the L word came out. Mm -hmm. So that was like great timing. And I'm like, I'm fucking moving to L.A. And I did. <laughs> you know. And what happened when you hit L.A.? Did you find a Mecca? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that smooth. It wasn't like the L word. I was like an awkward, terrified of my own shadow 18 year old. Like, you know, um, having to sneak through the back of lesbian bars. And it was a mess. But it was. I mean, that time was a very cool time, I think, in, in lesbian culture. It was just like a lot of badass sort of skater girl punk lesbians. And it was I felt like I had like died and gone to heaven. You know, it was like I, I think I experienced and still am sometimes and most gays are like a delayed adolescence. When you first got into that world, into that scene at 18, 19, what was what's like an early thing that shocked you? shocked me um I don't know why it shocked me but I and it still shocks me the fucking drama where lesbians go drama follows and anyone who's offended by that is only offended because it's true <laughs> <laughs> what kind what was like that what was your first introduction to that oh my god I mean I think I think you know because there isn't such a big pool, even in a place like LA, it still feels small. Mm -hmm. It still feels like everybody knows everybody. And also, you know, lesbians, we a lot of us have specific types and there's only so much of that type. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just hard to not fall in. I mean, I guess I'll just say it. It's like, it's hard to not fall for like a friend's ex, yeah. you know, when you're in this small world. And plus emotions are high especially when you're first coming out like if you think about middle school and people are boys and girls are first dating and they're having big dramatic breakups and fights and feelings and you, you don't know what to do with your hormones I think gay people experience that as you know adults because 
when we did that in middle school, it wasn't authentic. Either mm. we didn't do it at all or we manufactured it. it. I manufactured it. I had boyfriends. I'd mm. pretend to get upset, but I never cared. I never got what the big deal was as I was like, you know, get over him. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I'm like dating someone that I really like and I have these huge feelings and oh my God, sex, lust, all this stuff is so new so you're having this middle school experience, except for you have to pay bills and you're yeah. an adult and you have a job, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> you can't get away with everything uh, as an adult that you're allowed to when you're 13. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're consequences. When you were manufacturing those adolescent or high school relationships, what I mean, do you know that you're manufacturing them or do you feel like you're just kind of doing what you're supposed to? Yeah. I don't think um, I knew I was manufacturing them at all. I think that came like after I started to really date girls as an adult. And I was like, oh my God, wait, this this is why, you know, Joanna was so upset. You know, I would kind of just was playing along. But in, in the, at the time, I thought everybody was kind of playing along. Yeah. You know? Um, but I think there, there'd be moments where I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm not as bent up bent out of shape over these boys as as some of these girls are. You know, am I missing a chip? But I wasn't, I I didn't, I would love to say, like, at the time, I was like, I'm just faking it because I'm gay. Like, no, it was also blurred and layered. And I thought just I was weird or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when did you realize that it was, you know, you weren't weird? It's just, oh, I'm not into these. Um, I think probably, like, um, sophomore year of high school, I remember going to Boston to visit my brother and being at this restaurant. And there was a lesbian couple at the restaurant, but they, they worked there. There were like the, one was the hostess and one was the, um, the, the waitress. And they clearly were dating cause they kept like flirting and I couldn't stop staring at them. And I was just so, I felt something I'd never felt in my entire life. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I think I'm gay. So then I remember going back to my brother's house. He was like maybe 21 and all his friends and doing a gravity bong rip dying choking on the ground looking at my brother and saying i think i'm bisexual and his best friend who i tease to this day responded with i wish my sister was bisexual which Whoa. is the weirdest i know but it's so funny because huh. he was just high but like he's like czar it's the one like stupid creepy thing i've ever said and you tell it like like you tell it at every family event, every like, speech. Been, Twenty years like, ago. Like, can you please let me live this down? <laughs> so the poor guy, will, like, well, we, never uh, live it down. I dead. like, I like to think he's like, oh, because then I'd be able to talk to you about chick. I'm. That's my out. Probably. Who it. knows? Who knows? So, so is was seeing that couple. Okay. Yeah, and, I just thought they were so hot and. There was like an electricity between them, and I was never. That's like it sealed the deal for me. And what was and what was that first date with a woman like? Well, I hooked up with a girl in high school, like on the sly okay. for a while, yeah. like all of junior year and half of senior year, and then of course we had a huge fight. Um, and everyone's like, just like jealousy. I, she had boyfriends. Oh. <laughs> I had boyfriends. We were like completely hidden. We were best friends. We went to different high schools, and we were kind of, you know. We were very similar. Like she, she, she was much more athletic than I was. But we both hung out with skater boys, and we were possessive. I think over the skater boys, and then it just was so messy. Were you, were you fighting over boys you don't actually like? Not even fighting over boys. It was more like 
getting jealous if she got a boyfriend or her getting jealous if I got a boyfriend and they'd be our friends, the guys, because we were in the same group. But then it would just come out in toxic ways because whenever you're lying about things, you know, mm. it just got so messy that we ended up completely not talking um, the end of high school. But that was very much secretive. So that didn't feel like as exciting as, you know, hooking up and all that felt exciting. But as far as dates, yeah. Oh, my God. I remember being – I mean, I still – I'm married now, but I mean – I'm the type of person I get, I'm such a romantic, like I get nervous for every single date, you know? Um, ever since I uh, came out and if I'm attracted to someone, I just shut down. I have no personality, you know? And I and I love that. Like, I think that's one of the things I, I miss the most about being single is like the excitement and the nerves and like feeling alive. You know what I mean? Does that oh, make yeah. sense? Oh yeah, I love, I, I mean, as, as much as I know it's not flattering unless they find it adorable, like I love getting... Um, like just stupid, I like just being like, "Oh, you're cute, pretty," and I don't know how to formulate words right, right. now. So I'm sorry, I'm not being suave and funny because right. it's like I am fumbling over my words. There's an excitement in just your brain shutting off right. by being like thinking someone's cute, um, which is what it happens. So nice. like it actually <laughs> science like confirms that that yeah. sexual desire um, interferes with the part of your brain. That's responsible for logic, which explains a fucking lot, right? I mean, think of the dumb things we've done in the name of less. I think it explains like tens of millions of uh, pregnancies. Pregnancies, <laughs> businesses, you know, You're startups. <laughs> startups? Oh, my God. Do you know how many bad startups? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, is that how Luminary started? <laughs> is, do you feel like Luminary is a bad startup? I, I don't know much about it. Uh, all I know is is received like, what, hundreds of millions of dollars and has yielded like less than a percentage point of the market share of downloads for podcasts. Right, right, uh, right. It pretty much was an idea that crashed and burned. I um I listened to one podcast on Luminary, so I subscribe. But yeah, the, yeah. The, so you you pay the I pay. I pay just because I love that that podcast. Which which one which one? I like the C word with Lena Dunham and her friends. You like a Lena Dunham thing. I do. I that's I like probably the most controversial ever... thing I'm probably gonna say. Yeah, because I don't I can't remember the last time I saw someone publicly say they enjoyed something from Lena Dunham after season two of Girls. Okay. Let me explain. <laughs> this podcast is fucking brilliant she and her friend who's an actual historian of bad behavior they just do deep dive investigative journalism into women throughout history that have been called crazy oh, so they have like okay. yeah so it's it's not so much her waxing poetic about her opinions or her life it's just a well done um it's a well done like investigative journalism sort of like true crime but for crazy girls okay and it, that most of it isn't, I don't mean true crime by salacious murder, but I mean in that investigating, like, why are these women in history called crazy and what, were, why were they called crazy and what really happened? Right. So, yeah. Okay. I'll admit it. I own it. I, 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 I like that. I also think Girls is a masterpiece. I, I, uh, I think I dropped off like when she goes to Iowa. I think is okay. When I, but so I have not. So almost, that. almost. There's only so. It's there's only so many times I can look at a show that 
that says that, like this whole two bedroom apartment two unemployed people are totally affording. Um, is, yeah, th- th- that's like a pet peeve of mine in watching New right. York based. Oh yeah, movies and TV shows because like at some point I'm going to start to get angry and resentful that they have that much space in that neighborhood and they don't have a job. Right, right, right. <laughs> or like, they work know, at a coffee shop or something. Yeah, it's like I know how mu- I know how much you're making and I know how much that apartment right. is and this don't work. Right. Even when she got that bougie job, her character and journalism, I'm like, that's even less. Like the bougie or the journalism job, you're not making as much as a barista, you know? Well, speaking of that, you've done a lot of writing about like the lesbian underground scene, the yeah. nitty gritty. And as someone who's running around here like a playground in her in the, the mid to late aughts and now, I imagine the scene's different. Right? Yeah, yeah. What are some like very noticeable differences between the lesbian scene now and then? Okay, well, I will preface that I'm not cool enough to be part of the underground scene. But you, well, I'm pretty mainstream. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely lesbian, and I definitely am a huge lesbian bar, hoe, nightlife, all of it. I could say... we. I could, but I would I, say I'm like a mainstream lesbian. Then, then we could say... how I'll, I'll rephrase Because I know there's cool parties, and someone's going to be like, bang, you're not... Because I'm definitely not in the cool, like, Bushwick... Small underground party potluck. You get invited to the sex parties. Um, I mean, I have been invited to the sex parties. Do you go to the sex parties. Um, <laughs> have you been the wink? No. Okay. Uh, no, fine. no, I haven't. No, I, I again the the parties that I have gone to of sexual nature are usually mixed guys and girls, and it's usually been for work, just like. Um, not for sex work. That makes me sound much cool. Though I have heard sex and dating writers call themselves sex workers. And I'm like, you guys need to get a fucking hold of yourself. I saw some, yeah, years back, I saw someone make the argument of like someone like some people. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I sell dick. I, I guess I'm whatever. Okay. People who talk about sex professionally could be under that umbrella. And I was like, I, I get what you're trying to do politically here, but I feel like that's a little stretch. I think it's a bit of a, a, stretch. a stretch. Yeah. Like I've written about everything under the sexual sun and I was the senior sex and dating writer at Elite yeah. Daily for three years. So I've written about every kind of blowjob. Mm-hmm. I used to have a, a series called um, Les Get You Laid, Sex and Dating Advice, wow. Two Men from a Lesbian, like a video nice. series. So I'm, I'm pretty, I, I'm I definitely- I want to do the reverse. I want to do sex and dating advice for lesbians from the street. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, but but I, I'll round up my question then more to like, what was like kind but, of no, um, but it has queer changed. nightlife- like right. back then versus now. I, I, I'm always interested in someone who's in a particular subculture. Right. Um, like, so for example, like a porn vet, to, you know, who's been in it since 99. Ugh. Okay, well, talk, let's tell me about it then. And compare, that's like my favorite topic. All now. I want to do is like interview porn people about the difference between, because it's just, even just as a porn oh, watcher, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It's so fascinating. I'm like, how, how do people make money? Like, I'm fine, find that so curious. Yeah, I brought up the fucking AOL chat rooms at a comedy show on Saturday, and it oh. was like, again, talking about the lesbian AOL chat rooms, where it's just a bunch of men pretending to be lesbians oh, yeah. to each other, uh, exchanging various the porn pictures that are clearly professionally done and we're all pretending this is us. Right, it right. It was like, oh, he sent the pic of the it's... chick on the bike saying that's him and I've gotten that from like five different people. Right. It's all just a bunch of dudes pretending to be lesbians. Or a bunch of 12-year-old girls like me and my friends in eighth grade being like, hee hee hee, sending it to... Like sending pictures that we'd find, uh, not of us, right. and chatting and sex, uh, sexting. But it's always it was, exchanging porn, saying it's you. Saying it's you, but the, the poor guys would be like, or at least claim to be like guys in their 30s. And we'd be like, we're in our 20s. But me and mom were like 12. But they were probably oh. 12-year-old girls too. The amount of 
unintentional crimes that I'm were committed sure. in AOL chat rooms. I know, I know. It's astonishing. It, totally. But yeah, the difference in subcultures are right. always fascinating to me. And right. so like, yeah, look, I know there were more bars back then than now, but that's about all I know. Right. Um. Yeah, no, it has changed. Um. It's interesting. So I would say like coming of age, you know, I, I wasn't in the heyday of like click club and all that stuff, which I love to hear about. Um, but what I'll say is that the lesbian bars in the mid aughts, when I first started going out were much more because there was no dating apps Mm -hmm. and also just politically things were very different than they are now. Pre-marriage equality in particular, they were really like the only place to go if you wanted to meet people to date. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think gay men, they're a little easier to identify. They're a little bit more out. There's a lot more gay gay guy bars. There always has been, which makes sense, you know, Um, just as far as like income and just, I mean, I'm much, I'm very much a gay man and that like I am married and I still go out all the time. But I don't know, a lot of lesbians are, you know, domestic, whatever. Um, But it was like, there was such a sense of like, we have to go to the lesbian bar. It was your only option. And then also what was huge would be these lesbian parties. And I think that that has always been the main crux of of lesbian nightlife. It's, of course, there's like the cubbyhole and the Henriettas and the gingers, and I'm obsessed with those places. But when like the big things, like once like the monthly party or the, the Les Volley, which is a lesbian volleyball tournament on Fire Island that has a great party and it's, I'm obsessed. I think so it's going to be there. tickets to watch. That sounds like a fun volleyball it's tournament. Honestly, to the most fun thing you will ever do. Or like the Dinah Shore, which is, you know, this huge three day lesbian party in Palm Springs by a pool. Those kind of things, like big events, are where lesbian culture still shines and has always shined. And then we went through a weird lull recently before the pandemic where I think a lot of the younger generation, first of all, I don't know if you realize this, I've only since learned this, don't understand that you need to tip. Like I've had my lesbian bartender friends, like we can't survive because the younger generation, genuinely, a lot of them don't know that you're supposed to tip. Or do they not make? Does the young generation just not make much, any money? I mean, I never, I never made money. I always knew to tip. I know. I mean, like, there's, there's knowing the tip, and sometimes there's like, I don't got it. I don't got it. But like, a, if you don't got it, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. And b, I, I do think I've had some like seasoned lesbians tell me that they've pulled the kids aside and been like do you realize what the hourly wage of these bartenders are? And they didn't. They didn't understand. Like I'm saying like NYU, and I know you went there and a lot of my friends went there, like wealthy kids don't seem to know the tip thing, which is like so crazy to me. I mean, I knew the tip and I knew the tip better when I started meeting people, more people in the service industry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I could could see a world where well-to-do like kids with wealthy backgrounds who have the cash and just don't know about tipping. Just don't know, right. They don't know people who work on tips and therefore they don't know, they don't realize the uh, the importance of it. Right. So I think that 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 was actually a really big problem. And then also just people weren't showing up like they used to Mm -hmm. because 
which is a beautiful thing having a having like queer as a term I think is a beautiful thing and I, a lot of people I know identify as queer and if someone calls me queer I am not offended mm. call me whatever the fuck you want to call me just don't call me late to dinner um, but like I think with that a lot of people were like well do we need lesbian bars you know do we need them because you know um, a lot of people a lot of queer young women don't I that the, the term lesbian wasn't resonating with them and there were, you know, more mixed parties, which again is a great thing, but it was really sad because I do think that women deserve women. And also like, I'm not the kind of person that's like, men shouldn't be allowed in there. Trans people shouldn't be like, no, like I'm never like the more the merrier. Yeah. But I think like those, it is important to have spaces when you're, when you're a lesbian, you're so fucking objectified and I'm not sensitive about that. Like I am very sexual. I am love thirst traps. Like if I'm not getting objectified, sometimes I'm like, oh fuck, I've really gone downhill. You know, so I'm not that sensitive to it. But that being said, when you're trying to like get to know someone and you're on a date and you're at a straight bar and you have that moment where you start kissing and you forget where you are and all of a sudden a group of dudes is surrounding you, it does suck. And I do think we need these spaces. And um then the pandemic hit and all these lesbian bars were, you know, under threat and they were hardly surviving as is. And um, I think that this nostalgia came over and a lot of the younger generation started to be so fascinated by just what the scene was like in the early aughts. They, I th the Lesbian Bar Project was incredible. Yeah, Lisa Menachino, the owner of Cubby, was on promoting oh. that uh Back that back that year. Oh, okay, I love her. Yeah. yeah, I love Lisa. I just had my birthday party at Cubby like two weeks ago. I um, love that place. I love yeah, and I love the Lesbian Bar Project. It's my friends do that, and uh, I think it just really educated people. Like we could lose this, and ever since the pandemic has slowed down, I just see a hedonism in New York nightlife. A lesbian nightlife that I haven't seen since the early 2000s. Yeah. And it's really it. cool. Um, there's just that sexual energy is back. I think that I also think, you know, digital stuff for a while we thought filled our cup, like in real life stuff. Um, and a lot of the young people were just meeting each other. Like they can meet each other on apps. They, they didn't need to go to Cubbyhole to mm. meet. So they were taking it for granted. But now that they had this time without any IRL interaction, they were like, shit, it, it does, it's not really as fulfilling, you know, with, uh, without that safety net of knowing Cubby's down the street and I could meet someone in person if I wanted to, all of a sudden this digital dating felt really empty and people are really hungry for connection and they're showing up again. They're like, you know, I, I did the online thing for two fucking years without a choice and I don't want to do that anymore. So it's been really amazing. All the parties are selling out and there's a huge diversity in age and background and class. It's just, it's awesome. It's really in a good place. And I think it's only going to get better. What's your favorite party? Favorite party? Well, I'm definitely partial to Les Bali. It's I love Les Volley. My uh, my serialized audio drama, um, Girls on Jane, which is about lesbian culture in the early 2000s, has a lot of scenes that take place in Les Volley because it's so interesting to see all the people you see at the bar on the beach mm. in the daylight. Yeah. Brings out a whole other side. And I'm a huge Fire Island person. Um, and I love the people that do Les Volley. So everybody, please come to Les Volley. So much fun. It's in August. 
Um, but as far as a week or a monthly party, there's a new one called Scope that's okay. new post pandemic, and that feels very, um, or it's astrology themed. It's in Bushwick. It's I think it's at is that the no that's nowhere bar. Oh no, that's nowhere bar. Okay, yeah, no, it's 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 at a it's at a bar um, in Bushwick, and it's just got that like sexual energy where it's like high stakes. Like, oh, if I don't meet someone tonight. I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, I might have to wait a whole other month, wow. you know, because well, so there's seen these parties and just like going out to a bar, going out to like a, like a queer bar. Um, well the queer bars, I mean, it's a little bit more wild. I would say parties, lesbian parties in general, people are more dressed up. Um, you, you plan it out, you know, you know, it's like, it's only going to happen, you know, once a month there's, there's go-go dancers. Okay. There's just more of that nightlife energy. Whereas if I go to Cubby, it's more of that home comfy, you know, bar where everyone knows your name, where every dyke knows your name, <laughs> I guess. Cause, cause the night actually, cause the night I got that, uh, match that from nowhere bar, uh, yeah. I went there cause crocodile lounge was closed. I was there with a friend of mine and, and I was like, well, you want to grab a drink? Let's go across go nowhere. And we go in and there was like, a theme night it wasn't like a ticketed party because everyone was there and it was like i guess wrestling or something there was just dicks out because yeah. a bunch of dudes were wearing the, the 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 mix between the wrestling singlet and like sexy lingerie oh, singlet okay. but like dicks just out yeah, in the bar i'm like out. that was pretty wild and that was just a that was a regular friday night yeah 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 no the, the gay men really know i mean they know how to do it um <laughs> i mean in fire island every friday there's like the underwear party and they do that even in the city in the winter they have underwear parties but lesbian culture our okay. bars tend to be more chill and then our parties are where we get really wild sick yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you're married. I'm married. You're married? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> How long have you been married? I've been married. I, I'm the worst. I'm so not sentimental. Um, I think How it's been three years. No, I love her to death. I, neither of us are. We're, we're both like off the charts ADHD. Okay. So I know that we got married on October 27th. I think it was 2018. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's my... That's my parents' wedding anniversary. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, they oh. didn't make it. They're oh. long divorced. Um, but, <laughs> but 1027, I know that because uh, 1027 was one of the passcodes to unlock the Playboy channel. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Like, okay, that's, and I was, I was like, hey, when's your anniversary? Yeah, October 27th. Let's try that. Oh, that unlocked the channels. Oh, yeah. See, I, oh, I miss <laughs> unlocking the Playboy channel. It's funny because my only serious boyfriend, that was his birthday, which I didn't do oh. intentionally. Oh, that would have been, <laughs> been fucked up. That would have been quite the 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 fucking yeah no 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 so to speak yeah um (laughs) it's funny about the playboy channel at my household is that um we had it and then all of a sudden we stopped my dad moved out um the first my parents separated five times right before they got split and so he moves out and then when he got home when he came back the first time playboy channel disappeared we didn't have Mm, it okay i was unlocking they were like oh you're not subscribed i'm like oh bummer but then every time my dad moved out all of a sudden, we got the Playboy channel again. Right, right. And every time my dad came back, the Playboy channel was gone. <laughs> and then I think it took me a decade to be like, oh, wait, mom was into the Playboy channel. Right. <laughs> right. I remember the Playboy channel. Does it even exist anymore? Oh, no, yeah, right? Yeah, they got original programming and everything. Is yeah. it good? I don't fucking want it because I don't, you know, I'm a cord cutting millennial, so I don't have a- Right. I got YouTube TV. I right, know, I don't think right. they're carrying that, but- 
I remember, you know, when you're little and like you see something and you you just like experiment with saying it out loud to your parents. And I remember seeing the Playboy channel and being like, I was watching the Playboy channel. And my dad being like, what? And like, and then him and my uncle laughing. And then all of a sudden it was locked after that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, my parents were so open about all that. My mom was, um, did a lot of nude modeling. She actually is an original bunny. Wait, wait, your mom was a Playboy bunny? <laughs> my mom's an original bunny. Like, scouted in manchester like when they opened the club in london and then has done modeling and stuff from the magazines and she was in, she's was been she on the cover play? of penthouse she's also like done other stuff Is she's always like why do you always talk about this she's like i also was on billboards for winston cigarettes and did revlon and i'm yeah, like but no one cares about revlon I know, cigarettes like I know. mom where were your titties out at? yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah if you google my mom that's like the first what would we google <laughs> um and in fact a friend of mine found an old like a t-shirt that had one of her penthouse covers like on it and bought it and wore it through the airport and i thought he photoshopped it like onto his shirt just to fuck with me but he's like no 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 i was actually wearing no no this is your mom yeah your mom i was like fuck and was your mom killing it i mean oh my god yeah my mom's so fierce yeah she's hot fierce like and that was also a different time like not shaming in any way but penthouse was pretty artistic in the 70s it wasn't like and even playboy it wasn't like fake as as fake blonde hair like all that as it is now like my mom is blonde but she has no plastic surgery nothing like that you know she's kind of got that 70s more natural vibe i guess (laughs) so so you got married in 2018 you've been with her when did you meet her we met probably end of 2016 we were together just about a year when we got engaged fucking stereotype okay (laughs) such a stereotype (laughs) how'd y'all meet we met on the glamorous uh very very chic tinder yeah yeah Mm. all that build up with all these these like lesbian parties, I and know. lesbian spaces, and this that. And it's I like, know. Where'd you? And there's uh, lesbian apps, and then it's like, where'd you meet? Tinder. We met on Tinder. Yeah. yeah. Tinder. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's interesting. I think that I feel so bad for a lot of my heterosexual friends because dating and online dating, they're not going to know who the person is. They're not going to probably have friends in common with the lesbian world. Like I'm like, I could just. Go ask any friend, like, what do you think of Megan Dezuma? And they're like, oh, I know her forever. She's been around forever. She's a good She's a good girl, that one. You know, so it's like we both had so many mutual friends, mm-hmm. you know. So I knew, like, she wasn't going to be a serial killer. It's almost like in the lesbian world, if you don't know Stacey Lentz, who is co-owner of the Stonewall Inn and sort of like um, my wife calls her the Ellis Island of lesbians. Like you meet Stacy, you get a new name and like you're in and like, you know, everyone. And she's also a matchmaker, like not officially, but she's just known as such a Yenta matchmaker. And she, uh, you know, she had been for years telling kind of both of us separately that we should be dating, Amazing. you know, and I, I never put it together, you know, that it was the same Megan, but. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of have this built-in security. Mm-hmm. And what do, what do you uh, what clicked what clicked first? What clicked first? Um, not to be like we tell me why both, you love your wife. No, it was interesting. I, this is so vapid, but fuck it, I'm vapid. Um, it was funny because we were at this bar when we met and. She came up to me and we were both like, I remember being like, because I'd just gotten out of a relationship with someone that was very threatened and jealous and didn't like all the attention I got on the internet and all the essay writing that I was like, 
fuck it. This person has to know what they're getting into right away. So I just dressed as like my most flamboyant self. I was wearing completely see-through black dress. It was like, I think it was blizzarding outside. Like it was completely inappropriate. I think I had like a collar on. Like I was like, I'm just fucking going. I'd look huge, huge platforms on. Normally I try and be a little bit more demure on a first date, but I was like, I'm just going to go as my boldest self. And if this girl can handle it, great. I'm going to talk about everything. And if she can't, I'm not making that mistake again where I feel like I have to dull my sparkle to make someone more comfortable. I like you just talking about how like like what you were wearing. Like I'm normally more demure as you sit here in like this Disney princess <laughs> gown <laughs> from your photo shoot. I know, I know, um, I know. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess demure is relative. But Was there something you were worried about um, her possibly rejecting when you're going, I'm going to say at everything. At that point, but- I was like, fuck it. And then she came and met up with me and she was wearing a see-through shirt. And I was like, all right, we're off to a good start. And then we both started talking about like being on Prozac. Like we just we just like stopped bullshitting mm. really quickly. And um, and then also music is such a thing for me. And I have this toxic trait where I think my music taste is better than everybody. And then when we started hanging out and she was sending me songs and playlists that were way better than mine, way cooler, I was like, Holy shit. And that was actually a huge part of how we fell in love was we'd just send each other music all day at work, which I know sounds so um, like seventh grade, burning each other's CDs. But that's like, I'm a sucker for that. I love that sort of, I, I feel like I'm sort of like trapped in teenage years anyway. So sure. I love that kind of romance. But yeah. That, and then also just the fact that she really understood what I did and pushed me to do it further and bigger and better and had no like fears of um, me getting too much attention or writing about exes or getting attention on the internet. Like none of that. She loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, she was like, good for you. She even told me maybe like, don't tell your audience that you're da- we're dating because I was a sex and dating writer. And so much of my job was going on dates and writing about them which in hindsight sounds horrible. Um, but yeah, but she's just so positive. So were those things contentious when you would date previously? Oh, yeah. 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 Tell me about lesbians it. are crazy. <laughs> I mean, hey, I talk about my sex and dating life for the last like, better part of a decade. Do you like, run I, into I that then? I mean, yeah, you get people who are nervous or worried, or they're so full of themselves like, you're gonna talk about me in your stand up or on your Isn't podcast, that just and I'm like, so stupid. Yeah, like you think you're that special. Like, have, like you haven't proved you haven't proven yet. yet you know? Yeah, like, you haven't given me any content. Do something worthwhile before right. you start getting so full of yourself. Right, um, right. I'm just saying, like, I can relate to that being right. like an obstacle. Uh, I mean, I think I had an, one of my exes, P. She, she, uh, she told somebody she like. Don't date the guy with the podcast. Don't date a guy with the podcast. And which, I mean, that's, I think, fair dating advice at large, but uh, I felt personal. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, yeah, don't date a writer because, like, we're the worst. We'll describe you. That's like, no one wants to be described, myself included. But um, you got pushback for that when you would date? Yeah, or, or it would be too, or they'd be too into it. Okay. You know, and that also is a little weird. Every time you do a new sex thing, you'd be like, you should write about that. Be like, write about this. You're not my editor, okay? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Like too, too caught up in all of that and also maybe had their own agendas or things they wanted to launch or, you know, that they wanted to use the media publications that I worked oh with. Oh my God, who, who, te- you gotta tell, 
tell me about who wanted to fuck you and as a way to launch their own thing. I mean, no, I don't. I don't know if it was like that blatant, but I think it's like it can be what initially piques someone's interest. Sure. But I have a good nose for that shit. I always have, you okay. know, because I find it so fucking disgusting. And I, when growing up, I had a a, a best friend whose parents were famous. And just seeing that so young and seeing how teachers were nicer to her or people would try and talk to her to get to her parents. It's like, and I'm not saying I'm I'm nothing. I'm no one. I fucking know that. I'm very self-aware. But it's it's just when people think that they have something that they can get for, from you. And mm-hmm. media is just naturally kind of a lecherous industry and it's all about your connections. And I, I just don't like that. That's why I'm mm-hmm. so in my own sort of bubble, I guess. But I've I've come across a couple things like that. But for the most part, the main issue has been the opposite. It's more been like, oh, that's so cool that you write. I love that. Why are you writing about an ex? You know, and it's like, it's so disrespectful because it's like people act as if your job is like writing your diary. But like, no, I work for a publication. I have to get numbers and I get assignments and I have to, you know, study and analyze what the audience wants and craft stories around it. And yes, pull from my life, but do it in a creative way that, that, that tells a story. Like it's not, I'm not just sitting here blogging about what happened to me last night, right? you know? So I find it really insulting the, the way people treat creatives in general, you know, as if you're just rattling off your diary and it's like, Okay, if I did that, I don't think I'd be making money at it. You know, like I, it's 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 a craft and mm. it's an art, just like stand up. You know, yeah. surely there's an example at the top of your mind when you're talking about people maybe want to use. You know, what, more with friends. Okay, I would say actually, in hindsight, I now that I'm thinking about it, it's mainly more. I can just I can smell an opportunist. Okay, you know, do you smell any of that in this room? Fuck no. no. <laughs> it's it's rare. I mean, it's rare. It was mainly when I was working with bigger brands, but you know, sure. Yeah, I get that. Um, tell us a bit about this this podcast you've got. Uh, the, uh, the, this audio fiction drama on Jane Street, which yeah. is a real street, but the yes. bar is not a real bar. Yes, yes, yes. It's called Girls on Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, kind of a play on words because you know how it's Jane Doe they kind of do when they're talking about generic girl. So Girls on Jane, lesbian. And then um, the fictional bar is on Jane Street. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it takes place in... 2007 and it is about a group of queer women and they have lots of sex lots of relationships um it's 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 pretty i i call it like the it's the gritty and glittery underworld of of lesbian nightlife because there's a lot of drugs there's a lot of trauma there's a lot of pain but then there's also a lot of like fun and partying and community and wildness and characters. And I was so inspired. It actually, I I came up with the idea in the pandemic. My book had just come out, Mm -hmm. Girl, Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup. And I loved writing a book. I have another one in the works. Like I want to write them till the day I die. But as someone who's written on the internet for so long, you know, the beginning time to writing a book to it coming out is so long. And I'm so used to things coming out quickly. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And as someone with severe ADHD, th- those kind of like tight deadlines and sense of urgency really um, streamlines and focuses and hones in my creativity. 
So I wanted to do something instant. Like I was like, I know I, I, cause I, what, what ended up happening is I just wrote this chapter about this fictional bar called Dolly's with this androgynous model named Knife. That's like kind of like delusional and has a bit of a drug problem and likes to take home straight girls. And she goes to this bar all the time, Dolly's, where she's put up and get splashed up against all these other characters. Mm. Like there's this one older lesbian that's like bitter and her name is Jack and she talks like this, you know, and like she's, you know. Do you do all the voices? Yeah, I do all the voices. I do all the acting. Um. And I, 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 it just poured out of me. And then I thought about it and I'm like, I could never really write about lesbian culture the way I wanted unless it was fiction because I'd be just A, selling everyone out, you yeah. know, and that wouldn't be fair. We're a pretty secretive community. Um, I can sell myself out, but I don't want to do it to everybody else. And I was like, this is just lends itself to amazing storytelling because what I love about the lesbian bar is that you know, one, you're sitting next to someone who's like a construction worker on one side, and then next to you is like the heiress of like some obscure country, you know, <laughs> whose dad's a diplomat, yeah. and, and she's there. And then you've got a college kid from NYU discussing pronouns with an older dyke who like, you know, remembers all the lesbian bars back in the day and remembers the Stonewall riots and under no circumstances would we all be hanging out. The only thing we have in common is that we are lesbians. Mm -hmm. So, and there's only three lesbian bars in New York and mm -hmm. there are only, you know, a handful in the country. So, um, it ends up making your life so interesting because mm -hmm. then these people become your friends. They become your family. They have your back. But I think when you're world is so full of diversity and different characters, you become a more interesting dynamic person, mm -hmm. you know? So I wanted to just explore all that because I had a friend who was newly out and I was, I was telling her about all the characters in the scene that she was going to meet in New York. And she's like, as a hetero, when I was, you know, not out and I would go to straight bars, I didn't, I would mainly be with people like me that like either I knew from work or friends I knew from college. But like, you know, you're splashed up against all these people and it can be it can be complicated and there can be fights and generational things and disagreements and we're hard on each other. But in general, it's it's a family and it's so much fun to write about these opposites splashed against each other. Each other. Mm -hmm. I had another stroke, each other. <laughs> it's been a really long day. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds really cool. Actually, I, I'm very interested to check it out myself. It's, uh, it sounds like a fun uh, fictional world to go enter in because I, lo I love sitting down at Gubby in the rare moments there's a chair to sit down in. Yeah. It's like, that's, I don't know, it's, it's my second favorite bar in all of New York City. What's it's your like first favorite? McSorley's. Oh, okay. You know McSorley's? I haven't been, but I know of Oldest it. alehouse in New York. Right, uh, right. Lincoln drank there after he gave a speech at Cooper Union. It's I just love it because it's the it's just so much history is all over the place. Right, I, know, I love that. Walls. <clears throat> my great grandfather was a bartender there. Oh my god, that's my, so cool. My grandma lived upstairs, so like I don't oh, know, so I was, you're like New Yorker. I grew up in North Jersey, but like yeah, I mean my where in North Jersey, Bergen County. I um I had like a brief. My wife and I lived in Montclair for like six months. Okay, yeah, I know. And Montclair. then I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not ready for this. Where'd you grow up in Connecticut? I grew up in Westport, Connecticut. Westport, Zara. Where can people go to find you? Find your work. Find uh, girls on Jane. Um, girlsonjane.com. 
Um, it is also available on all platforms like Spotify and but if you prefer to read it you can only read it on girls on oh, you can read it yeah if you want to read it yeah oh. and I will disclaim I I think I describe it as a little too like um bubble gum and my friends are like because I, I used to be like oh it's like sex in the city for lesbians they're like no it's like euphoria Zara <laughs> like and my my um my barometer of like what's dark and what's I'm like I have such a dark sick twisted sensibility um and I don't know how to make small talk. So um, it's not sex in the city. It is more of a euphoria. Like there's lots of like drugs and like trauma and darkness. But it also is, you know, fun and has a lot of really hot sex, actually. I really pride myself on how hot the sex is. But my friends are like, you got to stop like being so bubblegum about it. And then they're going to read this and it's going to be like Shock someone's overdosing. And they're like, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> but I, I'm really proud of it. And it's scored with music. Um, you know, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of it. And then I also have a podcast called Girls Interrupted. And that's Girls with a Z. And that is a, um, we always say it's not a fucking mental health podcast. It's a mental illness podcast. Wow. <laughs> it's a podcast wow. for crazy bitches. And we just talk about everything like side effects of meds and eating disorders and all that. But but it's funny. <laughs> I mean, we find the, the nuance. Like mm. it, we also cry and all that on it. But we're not afraid to laugh about it because... That, that's what I have with the one armed, my my best friend Dana Troisi, who has who I who I hoed out in the beginning of the podcast mm -hmm. by saying my podcast partner has one arm. Um, she's iconic. She's an incredible writer, Dana Troisi. We should definitely have you on the podcast, actually. Sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. A big old fucking mess. So. She's 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 really cool. She's a, a also a lesbian sex and dating writer, and you know we talk about all kinds of things, not just mental illness, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure you sometimes talk about the one arm. Sometimes we often. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, go check that stuff out for sure. I'll have links in the show notes. Um, are you tight on time? Do you have an hour like 10, 20 minutes? Um, let me see. I have somewhere. Let's see. Let's see. I should be okay, actually. I have. Yeah, I have. I have about 15. Yeah, that's perfect. That's great. I was thinking uh, I, you say that you have this dark, twisted sense yeah. of things. So let's let's get into some darkness for like 10 ish minutes. Um, okay, let's so do Patreon it. people, you'll hear that tomorrow. But for now, Zara, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Bye. Gosh, I feel like I haven't had to do this since Glamazon Tayomi claimed that half of the country was living with HIV and didn't know it. Yeah, I had to do a little fact check retraction for her on that one in the outro back then and i'm gonna have to do it again chasing amy did not win and was not nominated for glad awards that's my bad chasing amy won two indie spirit awards which are kind of sometimes gay awards uh, <laughs> uh but but was not glad awards shout out to my boy kevin smith all the same just rewatched jersey girl not too long ago in my breakup sad vibes underrated kevin smith flick and uh, now that everyone's like talking about george carlin because of the new documentary on hbo max my boy my home guy my hero george carlin yeah glad you are all you're all catching up and discovering the man you can you can watch him in jersey girl he's really fun in that Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Zara Barry. Glad I could finally get out of that and back into the outro stuff. <laughs> Would love to get your feedback, your comments, your advice, questions, your complaints. You can send any and all of that over to manwhorepod at gmail.com. 
or you can share your thoughts in the episode discussion channel in the Champagne Room. A lot of y'all have been showing up to join the Champagne Room. Welcome, welcome to all of you. You can join hundreds of whoreheads at manwhorepod.com slash discord. We love it when you share the Man Whore Podcast on your social media. I love it even more when you share it, not on your Swinger alt account, but when you share the Man Whore Podcast on Main. Don't forget to tag me when you do it. I'm on Twitter at TheBillyPresida. I'm on Instagram at BillyIsPresida. Next week, we got one hell of a treat. Next week, we have got on one of you. Yes, we're bringing back the Naked Podcasts to talk to a very naked fan whore who very much wanted to be on the show. Hear me with Nude Chuck next week. Until then, everybody, stay slutty. You know you've made it in entertainment or are on your way out when you're helping dicks get and stay hard. Give your cock a natural performance boost with our sponsor, Joy Mode. No prescriptions, no drugs. It's just like a pre-workout, but for sex. Get 20% off your first order at usejoymode.com slash manwhore. Again, that's usejoymode, U-S-E-J-O-Y-M-O-D-N-E, and use promo code manwhore at checkout.